promised us that this teaching will be under 30 minutes. We've all been shooting for that. I've never got under 30 minutes. I've hit 32. Last week was like 40. I, I just don't know how to do it, but Jay's going to bring us a 28-minute sermon. Well, Rick, I, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's high expectation. I'll take the microphone because I might need this. I might need multiple, uh, you know, multiple things. Hey, everybody. Wow. We're, our, we're up here. This is great. Um, I'm Jason. I'm like the substitute pastor here today. A lot of you guys know me. Uh, and if you don't know me, I'm just going to apologize in advance for any offensive things I say. Um, today, we're, we're going to be talking about um, how we're, our identity is formed, okay? And uh, so anybody here, okay, who, if you've got like kids, if you've got grandkids, if you've got nieces and nephews that you want to just put a little, a little God touch, you know, on their hearts, or if you want to be touched in your heart by God, okay, you're in the right place. So how many people fit in one of those descriptions? Okay, we've got just about everybody, and if you're not, well, you will be here before long. So anyway, um, I'm out there, you know, on Facebook, on the internet um, a while ago, and, you know, normally you run into the normal stuff, you know, the political things, which, of course, I am quite the, you know, stirrer-upper of political things. And I'm going through, and I'm doing things, and all of a sudden, I run across a post, okay, that is very unusual for Facebook because it was profound. Hey, Allison, welcome. Welcome, you guys. All right. I've just seen you for the first time. So anyway, so I run across this post, and I'm like, holy cow, this is great. This is, like, profound. This is, like... I mean, I saw God in it, and I'm like, oh, you know, I've got to do something here. And why don't I bring up the person who made this post, okay, Josh Adkins. Why don't you come up? You know him as our drummer. Uh, he, he's also Hannah's husband and Eli and Jacob's dad. And I've got a microphone for you here. So you had an experience, and sometimes we have experiences where God kind of, like, like says something to us. So why don't you tell us what happened and just tell the story. Okay, so... Uh, it was about a month and a half ago, maybe. I was coming early to church to practice with the band before service. And Jacob, my youngest, he's six, uh, wanted to come with me because he wanted to beat on the drums like animal. So we're walking in, and it had snowed a little that day. You know, the parking lot was a little slushy, a little icy. And I, I was ahead of him, and I turned back, and I saw that he was very meticulously and carefully stepping where I had stepped. And I said, hey, buddy, are you stepping in my footsteps? And he said, yeah, Dad, I am. I said, okay, well, I better leave you some good footprints then. And at the moment, I was just thinking so he didn't fall. And then pretty much immediately after I said it, the significance of it hit me, and I realized my boys are watching me. My boys are following in my footsteps, whether I like it or not, whether I want them to or not. And so I, I better make sure that I'm leaving them good footprints to follow. And um, it, it, later, as I was thinking about it, I was reminded of the verse where Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. And so as a father, as a husband, uh, just as a believer in Jesus, that is, that is what I strive to live for. And I, my wife's back there, she could testify to this, I fail daily. Uh, my kids could testify to the fact that they probably see that I fail daily. But I'm, I'm striving and I'm following and I'm hoping that they will follow Christ as I try to lead them. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Josh. Well, you know, if that's all we hear, you know, we've, we've, got a, we've got a good word. And, you know, when, it, when I heard that, you know, as, as one of the, the shepherds here, 
Um, and as a, a former father of some young wild kids, uh, I was like, well, how can I help Josh? How could I help some of the young parents or anybody who's trying to just, just shape the identity and, and just raise up you know, good kids? And uh, I was like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, we've got we've to do something here. But um, the good news, okay, the good news and what's really for you is that kids, especially young kids, they're so hungry to find out who they are. I don't know those of you who have kids or whatever, but they're, they're always asking, well, Dad, what did you do when you were my age? And, you know, what, what names were you going to name me? I mean, what were the other names that I could have been? And uh, they're, all, they're just so hungry to find out, you know, who they are. And, and that's the one good thing that you've got going for them is because when, when you speak, when you walk, when you do things, the kids are going to naturally follow. So as I was preparing this message today, and as I bump into some of the microphones up here in my part of the stage, um, uh, I was reminded of, of this epic movie, okay, that I saw many years ago, and it's got one of the scenes in it are, are just amazing. I don't know if you remember the Superman in 1978, okay, and this would solve all of our identity problems, because here's Clark Kent, okay, young Clark Kent living there, uh, he finds this this unusual spacecraft that he came in, and he's like vaulted up into this place called the Fortress of Solitude. And as he's there, he's plugging in these little glass things, and who appears but his dad, Marlon Brando. And I don't know if you remember the scene, but it was like, in 78, it was big special effects because this holographic Marlon Brando was there. I am your father. You know, I will tell you all the things that, that you need to know. Please ask me questions. So he's in this place, okay, and the first question he asks, he says, who am I? Who am I? Because, you know, we, we want to know that. And the next thing that happens is, um, through holographic mystery, they just begin talking. He spends multiple years up there engaging, okay, with his father from the planet Krypton. And uh, he finds out his family, his history, the names, everything that goes on. And these things start getting imparted. And this Clark Kent, who was wandering, saying, I know I'm a little different because I'm looking up cars and doing different things, but um, who, who am I? And he found out who he was, and at the end of this little period, this little season up there in the Fortress of Solitude, you know, he leaves with the S, the Krypton S, his cape, and away he goes and he becomes Superman. Now, that would be really easy, you know, as parents or as, as we're discipling people, if we could just say, um, you know, let's just go to the Fortress of Solitude. Because that picture, it's really, it's, it's sort of a picture of God, of actually talking with God and having God do it. And unfortunately, Josh and Hannah, you can't, you know, at age 18, like Superman, say, um, Lord, we've done a pretty good job here. Uh, Jacob's doing pretty good, but there's a few little edges here we need to work off. Could I send him up to the Fortress of Solitude for maybe a year, just hang out with you, you could just kind of shave some things off, and then, boom, he'll be ready. Well, we can't do that, okay? But what we can do, and God gives us tools, and he gives us tools through scripture um, to share. And one of the scriptures that is um, very important about shaping is this one right here that says, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, which is true. So what, what do we do? We raise our kids in the admonition of the Lord. We teach them right from wrong. We do these things. But, but, that, it's interesting, that word way, okay, the way he should go, you know, as we observe our kids, we notice that the kids aren't all the same. One has this way of doing things, one has that way, one's good at music, one's very sensitive, one's this, one's that. And as parents, what we do is we bless those ways in our kids. And when they hear that at a young age, they receive it and they remember it. 
okay? So um, it's kind of the, the basis of any kind of discipling. One of the things I was told is see what God is doing in somebody's life, okay? And bless that and agree with it because we're not trying to reproduce Jason's or John Leeds or whatever. We're trying to produce the unique formation of who you are with your giftings and talents and what God has for you. So we bless that. And that's what we do as parents. We do as teachers. That's what we do as grandparents. We, we see those traits and we say, yes, that's who you are. You're an athlete. You know, your, your wealth is going to come from uh, just your relationships and your sense of humor. But we see those things and we, we bless them. The other thing, and this is, this is a, a, a scripture from the book of Deuteronomy. And, you know, you can read it here. It says, fix the words of mine, mine, mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home, when you walk in the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land of the Lord. So, kind of like what Josh was saying, is, is we, need to, we need to get God in us. We need to uh, just have, have God show us what, what needs to be done. And it's all about getting God into us, and when it comes into us, it comes out of us. You know, how do you know you got get God in you? Well, the scriptures say that out of the overflow of the mouth, the heart speaks. So if you find yourself overflowing, okay, with the word of God, with the admonition of God, with the stories of God, you know, God's in you. And if, if it's not happening, then you need to be a little bit more deliberate, you know, in, in passing that out. So here we are, uh, back in these days, Fathers and sons would spend a lot of time together. They'd be in the fields doing their crafts. I mean, they're looking at four, five, six, eight hours a day. So even if you're not, if you're like a typical guy that doesn't talk very much, you know, there's a lot of like transactions that are going on. Um, or, you know, women who are, they're working with the meals, they're doing various things. So there was these opportunities for, you know, the history and the, uh, the legacy of God and their families and in scripture to be passed down. But today, okay, it's a little harder because we're off at work, we're doing things, we don't have that kind of time. So we need some different kind of tools. We need a different way, you know, of looking at it. And a lot of us, uh, you know, we see the scriptures as, you know, a, a lot of different things, depending on who we are. It's the book of the law. It's a book of instruction. You know, it's where the prophecies are. Uh, no, the Psalms, it's a, book, it's a song book. But what about Song of Solomon? What about some of the prophetic things? It's, it's poetry. You can see scriptures as a lot, but the paradigm and the key to imparting identity, okay, and for us even receiving identity, it has to do with the stories. Because if we see the Bible, okay, not as, you know, this abstract book of information, but if we see it, okay, as the history and the narrative of God coming down and interacting with us, coming out of the Bible and interacting with us, because that's what the stories are, every story. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, uh, you know, and the, the power of God fell on Saul, and he began prophesying with the prophets and singing. Uh, you know, th this, is, this is what the scriptures are. Ordinary people, farmers, political consultants, doctors, tax collectors, just average, everyday people. That the Bible that God gave us, and what he's after, okay, is not this instructional uh, following of rules, but it's an interactive, two-way relationship with us. You know, didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus say, um, he says, he says, you, you look at me and I testify to your, to the things in this book, but you don't recognize me because they didn't see who Jesus was, but it's all about Jesus. It's all about that, that interaction that we have with Jesus. And if we can connect with those stories, 
those stories have a lot more power, okay, than the instruction and various things. If we see things that way, it changes things. So I think for our kids, for our grandkids, for anybody that we're looking to, you know, impart to, um, we need to see things a little bit differently. Um, so God's reaching out, <laughs> we're reaching up, you know, there, there's connections. And the thing about stories is that stories connect with our soul. I mean, how many, how many of you, when you're hearing a story, um, you just kind of, you go there, you know, you kind of go there into the story. Um, you're, you know, maybe you're with uh, Gideon, for example, you know, the, the story of Gideon, where, where he talked about, um, uh, he's there as the least and last of his clan, and he's hiding food, and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord comes, and he's like, you know, greetings, mighty warrior, and Gideon's like, well, who are you talking to? And he, <laughs> he's like, I'm talking to you, and you're going to deliver Israel. So we, we kind of go there and we're like, well, what if I was called to deliver Israel? I mean, what if the Spirit of the Lord appeared to me? So one of the things we do with stories as opposed to, you know, other forms in Scripture is that we go into that place and we connect and we interact, uh, you know, on, on a soul, you know, on a, on a soul level. So it's like this identity of who we are is, is questioning things. Um, when I was studying, I ran across this, this woman, okay, she's from England, and she, uh, she runs like a, a film festival in Bath, England. And uh, when she was eight years old, it was really weird, but this, this woman named Holly, she just stopped answering to her name, Holly. Okay? She wanted to be called George, and she wanted to identify as a boy. And she was causing all kinds of disruption, like a lot of the boys do in class. She was doing all these things, and finally, finally, the, uh, the professors and the, t or the teachers at the school and the uh, the parents said, we've got to get her into a psychologist. So she goes to the psychologist, and the psychologist meets with her a few times. And at the end of the day, they find out that she had read this book, and one of the, the main characters was a, a young woman by the name of Georgina. But to be part of this superhero gang, she had to kind of become George and kind of pretend to be a boy, okay? So she was identifying, you know, with that whole, um, uh, the, that whole thing. And, and she talks about it. She goes, you know, um, I didn't want to be the damsel in distress. I didn't want to be the weak female. I didn't want to be the various representations of most of the stories that, that women were then. She was, I wanted to be with the boys. I wanted to be the hero. I wanted to be the protagonist. So as, as she was reading these things, she rejected her identity as somebody who's disempowered, and she saw herself, okay, as, as empowered. And that's why when we connect with stories, there's... Um, I know, it's, it's, just, it's just very powerful and it changes us. And this is what the, um, this is just a, a little side note here. Um, this is what the a psychologist wrote. He says, lastly, with regard to 